Welcome to the Wealthy Money Property Podcast, your ultimate resource to unlocking your inner property guru and building a property investment portfolio. Now, introducing your host for the show. Hey, property magicians. So welcome to episode 63. Nizo, can you believe we're on episode 63? We are going to it's a pensioner age. Our it podcast is a pensioner age. Yes. <laughs> so, guys, if you just join us, uh, join yes. us. This is the Property Magicians Podcast. I am your host for the podcast. My name is Vangile Makwakwa. Find me under Vangile Makwakwa on Instagram and Twitter, under Wealthy Money on Facebook. And my job is I help women of color heal ancestral money traumas so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase their income, and live their best lives. With me oh. is my co-host. Hi there. Hi, I am Dr. Miranda. I am Pop Doc Mom on all the platforms. I take you, and I'm a property mentor for beginners. Yeah. I take you from property anxiety to property investing in 16 weeks find me on all the platforms dr miranda prop doc mom on facebook on instagram and on twitter and every week um Vangile, we drop on um, the newsletter some lessons that i have learned in my own personal property oh. investment journey and this particular week is such a great week i i shared my five biggest mistakes i won't say five biggest mistakes they are just five mistakes in property yes. investment. And because i don't want you to fall in those i have shared them with you and if you want to know more about that join the mentorship go to dr miranda prop doc mom mm -hmm. and join the mentorship or yes. you can just sign up for the newsletter i drop a, i drop one every week and have fun with 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 learning about property investment and this week um so guys so just some housekeeping right please can um you guys know that we are on spotify and we are on itunes as well so you mm -hmm. can listen to us now on podbean on spare on spotify on itunes just search property magicians right you'll find us all we ask for iTunes, you can go to wealthy-money.com forward slash iTunes um, to get to us as well. All we ask on iTunes is that you leave us a review. In fact, if you are on iTunes, please go give us a rating, uh, leave us a review. It really does great things for, I guess, uh, do we even call it the iTunes algorithm? So yeah. it just, it really, really helps us. And also, you know, it keeps us motivated. We're out here wanting to make sure that we get you guys the top guests. So often when our guests, even today's guest, um, Jade Barkhazen talks about that, that before our guests say yes to the invite, they love to go and explore the podcast. Yeah. So when they see your ratings, we can keep getting you guys the top guests because they yeah. want to be associated with the brand. And obviously it also builds the, um, I guess the brand of the podcast, which we Absolutely. love as well. And this week we've got a rock star of a property mentor as well. You know, the more of us, the more of us who 
state of our property investment way down in East London, the Windy City. It is in the Eastern province um, uh, in South Africa. So just to show you, there's a market everywhere. And yes. there are lots and lots of properties for everyone. No scrambling, yeah. no formal, just take it easy and get some education. This is one of those good podcasts we've had. Thank you. Yes. So, guys, get ready for a really great podcast. Without further ado, we introduce you to our guest, Jade Barkhazen. Hi, Jade. Welcome to the podcast. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's great to be here. Yeah, oh it's gosh. great to have you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to come to the podcast, Jade. We're going to have fun with you, I'm sure. It's a pleasure, Mijo. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jay, tell us about yourself and your background. Who are you? What do you do? Okay. So, I'm born and bred South African. I'm a Port Elizabeth boy, Nelson Mandela Bay okay. in South Africa. Wow. Um, yeah. Grew up here. Just uh, went to school here. Uh, I guess uh, my biggest passion when I was younger was sport. Um, it was my, you know, my goal okay. to be a professional sportsman. That was actually what I was after. Um, wow. So I did uh, pursue that after school. So during school, specifically rugby and cricket. And um, I then went oh, and uh, you know played some rugby after school. But then I soon got the opportunity while I was in varsity to go, go into business for myself. And I just saw that as a better long-term option. You know, sp okay. professional sportsmen have a very short career if you look at the, the bigger picture. And I wanted oh, to go yeah. into business. You know, everyone wants to have their own business and work for themselves. That's like the, the thing to say. Um, and as you guys will know, it's very, very challenging to be your own boss. It is. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, after that, I basically, in my, in my third year of varsity, I went into my own business in a different industry, in the motor industry. Wow. Um, and yeah, really? I had a staff of about, of about 25 people, had that business for about 10 years. Um, but, you know, I started my property investing journey on the side while I had that business. Uh, no just because I, I started started reading books. Yeah, Robert Kiyosaki, I, I know it sounds like a cliche. A rich dad, yeah. poor dad. That, that was the book that just changed my mindset completely. Um, yeah. And I started investing in property on the side while I had my other business. And that's really where my passion grew started educating myself okay. and then just started doing more and more deals. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, that's, that's my absolute passion also. That's, that's sort of a, a short story of my background. Okay. Wow. Actually, when, when, when I was asking that, I see uh, just before we started the podcast, I thought I recognized a name, Buck Hazen, and I was thinking, isn't that someone that wrote, or that, that used to play rugby or cricket or what? whatever is it is it yourself or a relative there was a back hazen in the rugby squad wasn't there no i was no well i don't know if it was myself or someone else there was a, a guy that played overseas uh but i was yeah. sort of more at a junior level you know so under 19 oh, 21 um Absolutely. you wouldn't have seen me playing for the springboks i didn't make it to that level unfortunately <laughs> that's wow. awesome Oh, wow. So, motor industry as in what? A, a dealership or was it a um, mechanic? What, 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 so what sort of motor industry? I was basically a supplier to the car dealerships, right? So, 
when you go buy a vehicle, you get different accessories that you can put on that vehicle, rubberizing on, uh, specifically on, on buckies, right? We call them buckies here in yeah. South Africa, of course. Buckies. Um, yeah. Canopies, tow bars, those kind of things out of LA Center. So we would basically get the car ready for delivery for clients. So the dealerships were basically my clients. Ah, okay. No, I yes, my aunt got a bucky two years ago and it didn't have a canopy and the dealership said that they could get a canopy fitted for her and she said yes, so yeah. she would have used you guys. Okay. Interesting. Very so interesting. So I'm not, not in that business anymore at least, so I'm full-time on property, so um, okay. full-time on property now, so yeah, not, not in that business anymore. I see. <laughs> But tell me then, Jade, you say you you bought a property as a side while you were in the motor industry. When did you, or when you bought that first property, you knew now that you were property investing. Did you, was that the thinking or were you buying just a house to live in? No, no, it was an investment um, and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing at that stage. My, my first property... <laughs> I just said, you know what? I need to buy a property because that's what people do. That's how they create wealth, right? I Absolutely know, no right? clue what I was doing. The agent just told me, listen, it's a great deal. And uh, I had the affordability, so I went and bought it. And I lost 3,000 Rand every single month on that deal. Oh, I just, I wow. Yeah, Jade. my very first property. So, oh. But you know what? You, you don't know what you don't know, right? I know. So... Um, <laughs> So I didn't know how to run the numbers. I didn't know how to do area research. I knew nothing of that. I just took the agent's advice and I went and bought it. So no, Jade. I'm oh, really glad I did that because I, I learned a lot of lessons. Let's put it that way. I love that. Yeah. yeah. The post that I have instantly today on Instagram is about my, my mistakes in real estate, incidentally, today on the 26th of November. And it is exactly that. The agent said, my mentor said I was buying a good deal and I was losing 2.8, 2,800 rands. That is a massive amount because oh, when nice. the, I tell you, when the tenant moves <laughs> out, then it's the rent plus the 2,800. I, yeah. I love it, Jay. And thank you for sharing that because mm. everyone uh, says I'm into property and yeah. investing in something that's taking away money from mm. you is not investing so i love yeah. that you mentioned that <laughs> i just yeah. got blindly lucky <laughs> so i listened to you guys stories and i'm like i literally i can't even explain i have yeah. stupid luck in some things Lisa knows that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so even with my first property, I've just been like insanely lucky. lucky. Like I had no <laughs> clue what the heck I was doing. I made the investment decision in five minutes. Turns out to be an incredible investment. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I listen to your stories and I'm like, whew, that I, I have dodged a bullet. You're Maybe. natural. You're natural. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I'm just, I just got lucky in this case. Honestly, yeah. wow. So, Jane, now you're losing three thousand rand a month. What did you yeah. do? How did you rectify this? How did you know? Because yeah. how did you I get know, out of it? We know so many investors that take a while and they think, but it's still property. I must hold on to it. 
How did you yeah. start to realize that, no, one must make mm -mm. a profit in property? <laughs> well, you know, you've got the, the, the common concept in South Africa that you cannot buy positive cash flowing properties from day one, right? And that's yes. like 90% of, of your amateur investors, which is an mm. absolute lie. Because if you buy it right, you can yeah. definitely 100% make a positive cash flow. Anyway, so back to that property. Um, obviously, then I didn't know what I was doing, but what I decided is I said, listen, it doesn't make sense that I lose so much money every month. And I started to get myself educated. So I literally uh, went to every seminar I could attend. I started reading books on property investing. I got myself a coach and that's when everything changed. Yeah, then I was like, yeah. I actually hold on, I held on to that property for about five years. And luckily, okay. it, luckily it appreciated in value. So I actually made a couple of grand on the sale. Um, okay. But when I got, once I got my coach and I started educating myself, that's when I knew I'll never buy a property that neg negative cash flows again. And then I started yes. doing creative, creative deals, assisted deals, sales, yeah. those kind of things. Yeah. And um, that's when everything changed. Once you do that first deal that really makes financial sense, it's like a bug that bites you. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. it does. Oh my God! Then you you can't stop. You just keep looking at deals, even on even at times when you don't even have money, you are constantly looking at deals. I love yeah. that. I love that you went back to educating yourself. You know mm. that is that is what we keep preaching to everyone on this podcast to say if if you haven't started, lucky you, please start with this podcast and then read some more books that we share here and then invest so that you 100%. don't do the jade mistake or the Miranda mistake. That's that's awesome. No, <laughs> so tell me, Jade, what we, so we're talking about your financial, the, the financial and the emotional process of now getting the second and the third um, properties. Did you at that stage have a strategy did, by the time you got number two, number three, and did you at the time have a coach? Uh, yes, I, I did. So I did get a coach um, and that helped a lot because as you guys know, when you're a first time buyer and you're new to this, you've got so many doubts in your head. It yeah. doesn't matter how many books you read, right? Yeah. You, you you still True. have those doubts in your head when, you, yeah. when you're putting in an offer to purchase and you get those butterflies. Um, you're still doubting yourself. So to me, it was essential mm -hmm. to have a coach uh, because he literally just said to me, listen, this is a good deal. We've run the numbers. We've done the area research. And that guidance definitely helped me. Now, the strategy that I wanted to implement in the beginning, which I still use, is is flipping or doing cash oh, strategies. Okay. So, okay. so my very first creative deal was an assisted sale where I basically got paid out for, for, for bringing a buyer and a seller together um, and I had various okay. contracts in place where the coach helped me and I, I made the money that I spent on my coaching and my education back in that deal, which was for me, it wasn't so much about the money. It was more about the confidence I gained when I did that deal. And the light mm -hmm. came on. I was like, okay, this is how you invest in property. Um, there's there's yeah. different strategy and different ways to do it that most people don't actually know about. So rather spend... Um, as what you said, Rizal, rather spend a bit of money up front, get the right knowledge or even a yeah. coach before going yeah. out and buying that property. Because I can promise you, you, you stand a chance to win or to win, to lose a lot more money by investing in property the wrong way than you do by just spending a bit of money on yourself. Mm. Absolutely. 
I'm just gonna say, mm. I'm just gonna backtrack us a little. I feel like this is one of my roles on the podcast because I'm always like, can we just backtrack and explain some things in layman's terms? So, Jade, you uh, you really went through the assisted sale really quickly. Very quickly. Yes. Please, can you explain what an assisted sale is and how one makes property from makes Money, money from, from an it. assisted sale. <laughs> okay, great. So, so first of all, a disclaimer, always get the right legal advice. So work mm-hmm. with a, a, an attorney that specifically deals with property to guide you on these things because with an assisted sale um, or sourcing, which we might talk about a little bit later, if, yeah. you're seen, if you're seen as doing the job of an estate agent and you're not a registered estate agent, uh, you can you get yourself get into hot sure. water, right? So basically an assisted sale is I find a distressed property owner. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll make them an offer for their property, which is below market value. I get Mm -hmm. a contract in place with them stating that they've accepted that offer. Okay. And I then go and I either renovate the property on their behalf and I'll find a Mm -hmm. buyer for that property. Mm -hmm. My profit is the difference between the greed purchase price I had with the, with the seller and the price I'm setting it for to the, the buyer, right? I keep the profit out of the sale. And typically, you want to use your own attorney because that property never registers into your name. You're basically mm. the middleman and you keep the profit in the transaction. I hope I explained that, that all right. That's good. And that, yes. is, that is that so clear. Yeah. That is so clear. That is so clear. Um, so... So is it the same strategy that you still employ today or have you got a combination of strategies and how did you navigate that? Did you self-navigate? Did the men, your coach navigate you through it? How did you get there? Yeah, I guess it was uh, my coach helped me with that to assess which strategy I want to start with because I think a lot yeah. of people, they, they get very excited. They see all this, you know, all these uh, podcasts and books and things, and they think, geez, I want to flip, I want to do steering accommodation, I want to do developments. You know what? You need to start with a specific strategy. There's just too much information out there. So yeah. I wanted to start with cash strategies, and that was assisted sale or flipping, which will give yeah. me cash. And then yeah. the goal is obviously to build up your passive income to, to mm-hmm. cover your basic living expenses, and people might call it financial freedom or uh, uh, financial independence, and that was the goal mm. for me, right? To get yeah. to that point. But but in order to do that, you need to you need to switch over at some stage to doing cash flow deals, which is your yeah. monthly income, obviously, and that's what you're building up. So I do various strategies at the moment. So I do I do flipping, uh, but I also yeah. do student accommodation and I do uh, multi-lets as well to build up okay. the passive uh, income. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, so sorry. so you said you do multi-lets, you do flipping and you do student accommodation. Mm-hmm. And multi-let means we multi-let to families rather than students, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, or you can so, you can have a house where you rent out the specific rooms in that house, right? And then you get absolutely. different different income yeah. streams from different that property. Tenants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Jade, just uh, so how did you then get? Uh, let's talk a bit about um, the say, um, after the assisted sale how did you get into multi-lets and student accommodation 
So maybe let's start with multilet. <laughs> we love okay. multilet. That's our favorite. Yeah, multilet <laughs> is is amazing. For one of the best cash flow strategies, I'd say. Um, you yeah. know, along with with student accommodation. I guess it was yeah. just you know, as I was on this journey of just educating myself, mm-hmm. you automatically look to see, listen, what is the best strategy for you, and how can you make the most money, right? Um, yeah. And I was automatically drawn to multi-lets and student accommodation due to the amount of cash flow you can make on one deal. Um, mm. So I guess it was just education. I, you know, I always carry on doing courses. Even now, I still spend um, thousands of rands every year on education because I just think you can never learn enough. The, the day you think you know it all um, is the day you're probably going to lose money. <laughs> so uh-huh. you're always learning. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Okay, so we're gonna. Um, I'm gonna make it even more specific. Please tell us about your first multilet. How did you get into that deal? Um, if you don't mind telling us how uh, how did you structure the deal? How much was it, and how much did it cash flow for at the end? Yeah, basically. So listen. So um, I think area research is very important. You first need to identify an area where there's a demand for multilet, right? Um, and and that's the most important thing. So luckily. Most or all my properties are on Port Elizabeth area. Um, I grew up here, so I know the areas really well. So that's ah, really important to know the areas. Oh, that's so, so important. Mm. So I knew which areas it would work in. Um, you know, my first multi-let deal, a pretty cash flowed, I think about three or four thousand rand. Um, so so that that was basically my first deal, and I typically would buy under a million rand. So most of my properties is is under a million. Um okay. And there's various reasons for that, but I looked at an area where multi-let would work and also that is uh, in my budget and below a million. Um, yeah. Okay, awesome. That is so incredibly important, um, Jade, what you just said, that you are in PE, you know PE, and you know the area that you are at, and within your 10, 30 kilometer radius, you didn't even have to go far because it's an area that you know, right? Mm. So you don't go and say, oh, well, I hear in Joburg they are doing multi-let. Can you buy me a multi-let over there? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I, find, I find that new investors tend to do that. They get formal and they don't believe that the area they live in has got potential for property yeah. investment. And you have to be reassuring someone to say, you are in Pretoria, stay there. I promise you, you just haven't looked at those areas and you don't know what to look for. I'll show you how to look for it so that you can invest where you are. Mm-hmm. Such an important nugget to share with with, 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 with our yeah. new property investors. I 100% and, agree with you. you know, that's how I also always find that. They always say, but there aren't any deals out there, right? I know, yeah. I'm sure you get that all the time. But where I, should, I be, should I be looking? <laughs> Like, like, listen to me. There's always deals in every market. Okay, mm. I've I've got I've got some uh, students in Cape Town, right? And Cape Town's obviously yeah. a very expensive market. It is it, difficult to find multi-lets yeah. there. There's yeah, different yeah. strategies that work though. But also, if you're looking in the right places and you you've got the right knowledge, you actually know where to pick up these below market value deals or distressed sale. Not everyone yeah. knows it. Otherwise, everyone would be doing it, right? And that's yeah, why yeah. you need the right knowledge and team. Yes. To- to- yes. Oh my God. Totally. Yes. Totally. So, um, t- Jade, I nearly called you Tony now. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I, I think because Tony introduced him. So, like, we have 
Tony on our minds. Like I'm even doing that in my head. Sorry, Jay. I didn't sound like Tony though. I'm not a, not not from Serbia. <laughs> No, yeah, but sort of, sort of, sort. But also, you're a natural teacher, Jade. I, I, I like how you put things. So, Jade, Jade, tell us a little bit. You are talking to a prop, a new property investor. Explain to them the importance of a tribe. Why was a tribe so instrumental in your building your 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 property investment journey? What would you say to them about a tribe? And what, what, who in your tribe do you value the most? Is there anything like that? Yeah, listen, it's it's absolutely so important. That's one of the things I learned in the in the beginning um, after I did my first bad deal. Is I always thought it was just you, yourself as an investor, right? And I knew that I needed an attorney. That's all I knew. I needed an attorney yeah, yeah, yeah. to register the property. Right. But actually, once you once you start investing, you probably realize that. You need an architect, you need a town planner, you need a coach, you need um, builders. You, you need this whole team around you of, yeah. of people that you've already vetted and that you know are good at their jobs. And those exactly. people support you on your journey. And the more you grow, the more you support them and the more they support you. And that's why a tribe is, is so important because even now, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys are the same thing. You're always bouncing ideas of other people. doesn't matter yes. how much you know. You, you always want to be asking people, your attorney or your builder, you need those yes. people in your team to find and conclude these these deals. Yes, absolutely. yes. Absolutely. That, absolutely. Is, that is actually very, very true. So yeah. um, could you please tell us, did you ever have any doubts or fears? As newbie investors, a lot of people have a lot of doubts and fears and how did you overcome those, even though you had a coach? I mean, we have coaches and we still have like doubts and fears. So how did you overcome yours? Let me tell you, if you want to be a successful property investor, you need to learn how to manage your emotions. That I always <laughs> tell my students that because you'll drive yourself crazy. Even now when I submit offers, sometimes yes. still I get nervous. Even though yes. I've ticked all the boxes for that property, you're still sitting there, wow, what could go wrong, you know? Yes. So I guess a way to overcome that fear is really having, once again, a strong tribe or network. You know, yeah. I'll phone I'll phone the people in, in my network and say, listen, this is my deal. I just want to talk through it. You know, and they yeah. might raise certain points and say to you, listen, there's nothing to worry about. It ticks all the boxes. So you always need that person or person's um, just to say to you, listen, you're on the right track, you're doing the right thing. Um, mm. and, and I think that's how I get over that that fear and that emotional aspect is getting support from other people. Mm. That's a good yeah. that's a good one. That's that's a good one, right? Yeah. yeah. Using your network to bounce off a deal because deal you will have deal analyzed, but you will have forgotten one single line mm. or deliberately because that's what I I used to do, Jade. My biggest thing on the deal analysis, I will omit the insurance. Why? And because because you you want the deal. You know how you are when you are a new investor. You want yeah. to squeeze the deal so that it suits the reality that you are wanting, oh. not the reality of the reality. Like. The oh real my goodness! Deal. No, but that's what we do. You hide other lines so that it squeezes into oh, what wow. you want, and you want the, your banker to to believe you that I'm buying a cash flowing deal. And I would find that it's a it's not a deliberate thing. It comes from the nerves. 
mm. comes from the doubt and the fear that now that I've found this perfect deal, that's how we are as newbie investors. This is a perfect deal. <laughs> it's a perfect deal. Perfect deal. And you want to make it so perfect. When you put in 5% right, they can see 10% maintenance and then you put in the insurance and then the numbers don't work. You're like, mm, but I want it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, Risa, that is so fascinating. <laughs> it it never would have entered my mind that people would actually like dot, like, because I'm like, the numbers are the numbers, guys. We They're do. there for a reason. We do. I, I laugh all the time. You know, Jade, what, what, what one of my mentees did? He, he did the same thing. And then I said, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like you having bought a pair of shoes for 2,000 rands. And then you get home and your husband asks, how much was it? You say 1,998 rents, 2,000. Say it. Once you start start playing with the numbers to make it work, that's when you know sometimes you you need to walk away because you you want to make it work because you you want that next deal and you're impatient. You want to get that next deal. And that's very, very dangerous, isn't it? Yes, it really, really is. Wow. When you you are sleeping, you go and do something like, no, you don't get the contractor. Now you do the estimates yourself. You're like, ah, but to do this bathroom would be something like uh, 5,200. Who who are you? Do you know anything about the plumbing work? (laughs) So you you omit things just so that you make the deal work. This is so, so important. I like the talking through the deal analysis with someone, Jade. That's such an important thing to do. It really is, eh? really is, right? And Jade, what's your experience with the banks and the financiers as your property in Jenny um, gets more and more mature? How would you say you perceive the banks? Are they as aggressively uh, risk averse or do they get better? Mm, that's a good question, banks, Lisa. What yeah. I find with banks is they actually go in like troughs, right? So you'll mm-hmm. find in, in a 12 month or, or year and a half or two year period, you might find F&B lending a lot on home loans. And then yes. after that, they start tapering off, right? Because now their books getting fuller and the appetite for risk is, is now taken up. Now all of a sudden, yeah. APSO comes and NetBank comes. So the, the banks oh. sort of differ. And to me, there's no one bank that's better than the other. It's it's what they offer at that specific time. Um, one that. bit of advice is obviously you want to always work with bond originators because they go to the major banks um, on your behalf and you get the best quotes. That's, that's definitely yeah. something you want to be doing. But yeah. right now, it is so difficult to work with the banks. I think it's because of COVID and they, they just... Um, a lot of the employees yeah. are actually working from home. So their yeah. processes are an absolute nightmare. I've been waiting for almost four weeks for, for one of the banks, I'm not going to say the name, to just yeah. send out a valuer to, to one of the properties I'm buying, just oh, to no. send me the letter of grant to say they're giving me the loan. And meanwhile, the seller is sitting there saying, well, listen, I'm going to keep on marketing this property of because course. the bank's taking so long, you know? Wow. So, so I guess when you're putting in offers, make sure that you work in enough time for your financing because the banks mm. are taking very, very long at the moment. Mm. I see. Mm. Oh gosh, oh. just pearls I, of wisdom there. I like the fact that they, of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> they work in tranche. They 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 work in in waves and cycles, and one cycle is not 
uh, one cycle of one bank doesn't really match the other. That's, that's yeah. such an important thing. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. So your trusted and your trusted bank is not necessarily the bank that will finance your property journey as well, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of the newbie investors think, well, they bank with a certain bank, they need to get a home loan through that bank. It, it doesn't it doesn't always work like that. Oftentimes, it's the other banks that actually give you better offers. Um, so, so listen, the nice thing is at the moment, the interest rates are super low, right? Yes. So that's why you're seeing so many buyers in the market, even though it's COVID, because yeah. they're paying, getting bonds at 7%. But what happens in a year or two or three, once it goes back up to 11%, all yes. of a sudden, you're going to get this wave of newbie investors offloading their properties because now they've got to pay an extra 5,000 rand a month on their bonds and they can't afford it. Exactly. So yeah, just be very, very careful if you're a newbie investor. Don't get excited by the interest rates. When you run your numbers, rather work on 10 or 10 and a half percent just to be safe. Ah, I like that advice That's so much. That's what I've been doing. So, yeah. I like that. Seven plus yeah. two point five, seven plus three. That's that's more realistic. Love yes. that. Yes. Wow. Um, yeah, like I'm using the low interest rate to pay extra into yeah. my one home loan. Your, <laughs> just to get it because it's like, come on, this is good times. It's like it's so low, you can afford to give a little extra into that account and it actually affects the capital you know the principal so really really good so jade tell us how did you uh, you buy what i find very interesting is that you're buying multi-let under a million rand right i don't know if anyone else is listening and it's just like what i caught that and I'm just very interested in how do you decide? Okay, so you run the numbers, but how else do you decide that a multilet is a good buy? And how are you finding them? Do you have like relationships with real estate in uh, with real estate agents, um, bond originators? How are you getting these deals? Okay, so there's, there's I think there was two questions in that question. Um, firstly, <laughs> yeah. how do I how do I find the deals? And secondly, how do I identify a multi-let under a million? So typically yeah. the layout of the actual property is extremely important with a multi-let. Okay. okay. If, if you've got a, a house with a corridor right through the middle and you've got rooms on the side, whether it's lounges or kitchens or whatever it is, that's an easier conversion than if you've got a very strange layout in the house. So, so oftentimes you can look at converting a kitchen into an extra room and doing a small yeah. kitchenette in the lounge or you know there's various things you can do but you want to see how you can maximize that specific property now i do focus a lot in lower income areas um yeah. for, for one of the big reasons is because i think it was a, a number i saw on tpn 82 percent of renting people of renters in south africa pay between three and seven thousand rand Exactly. I'll stand under correction, right? So, so I want to be in that bracket because that's where I've got the best chance of actually renting rooms out or a property out. So that's why I want to operate below the million rand mark. Now, yeah. most of the time, I would need to spend capital to to convert that property, right? Convert. So I might buy it at eight hundred thousand, but I have to spend two hundred thousand or three hundred thousand okay. to actually get more bathrooms in or renovate it. So I'm I'm sitting all in at maybe one point two, one point three million. 
Okay, so but I'm buying below a million, so there's no transfer duty. Okay, so so I hope that, that answers the the multi-led question. How fun yeah. deals? We could probably talk about that for a whole day. Um, yeah. But essentially, it comes down to relationships for me. I'm a relationship person. I love having relationships in place where agents bring me off-market deals because once agents know that you can close on deals, they'll bring you their properties before they even put it on the market. That, that's yeah. just what I find if you're working with a good agent. Yeah. right? Yeah. And you also prep them beforehand. You tell them what you're looking for. Otherwise, they're just, they're just going to bring you any deal. Any and you're going you're <laughs> to waste your time and you're going to waste their time. So yeah. I work specifically maybe with, with two agents, maybe three. They don't mm -hmm. know. They know exactly what I'm looking for in which area. Mm -hmm. And even if I have to wait four or five months for them to bring me a deal, that's fine because the one they bring you is going to be a good deal. Okay. Um, and then I've got some marketing strategies that I implement. Um, you know, you, you get deals at, at, in various avenues. I've tried out some Google AdWords, newspaper AdWords, um, quite, a, quite a few different things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I, I, I like what you're saying about where where people buy because that's the other thing um, that, that 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 becomes very important for newbie property investors. When you buy in these uh, lower income areas, you're not going to buy the nicest the nicest and the glossiest house. Mm, you, know, you spoke about the practicality. True. You look at the house. How am I going to maximize it in minimum time with minimum spend? Probably 200, 250,000, right? Mm. So that's very, very important um, uh, uh, point to take. You've got to manage your emotions once again, right? Because as a new investor, you walk into the property and you're like, wow, it's beautiful. You know, I want to live here. And they go out and buy yeah. that property. Typically, exactly. I say when, when you walk into <laughs> the property that's dirty, stinky, and smelly, that no one yeah. wants to see, that's the that's one I want. When I smell that, I'm like, okay, that, this is the smell of money because this is yeah. where I can add value, right? That was literally my first property, you guys. Like, I didn't care about the fact that there was litter all over the floor, that it was dusty. I was like, oh my God, parquet wood flooring, 360 views. This is amazing. But I guess people had come through and only <clears throat> seen the dirt. But yeah. I was, I completely missed the dirt until I moved in. I was like, what the hell is this now? <laughs> <laughs> well done. But that's, that, that's such an incredible thing to mention. Yeah. And I don't know about you. I think Jade has done justice to this. He is. He yeah. really, really Not, has. I have one. I have person. one. No, I do also have one last question. You go first. Don't go fight, girls. Don't fight, now. <laughs> <laughs> We are like okay. this. <laughs> yeah, we're like that. We think, okay, we're done. And then we get all these new questions in our brain. So um, I actually wanted to ask about the student accommodation. You told us the strategy for the multilet. By the way, the corridor thing, genius. Never thought of it, but now it makes sense. <laughs> How do you decide on student accommodation, Jade? Like, is it the same strategy? Are you buying under a million or are you buying whole buildings and then converting them into student accommodation? Yeah, so I've got a certain bracket that I'll look at. Um, okay. and, and I've got two specific areas that I look at in Port Elizabeth that I know is high demand. So, so the thing with student accommodation, obviously proximity to universities is important, important, right? So it is different to, to multi-lets. 
And typically with student accommodation, there's various other expenses that you need to cover, which might mm. not be included in multi-lets or normal bar-to-lets, such mm. as uh, Wi-Fi. You need to cover Wi-Fi. Yes. You probably need to pay for a cleaner to clean the property. Okay, mm. so it's a different strategy altogether. Location is absolutely mm. essential. Mm. Um, you need to be close to universities. Um, and then also the layout obviously plays a part. Once again, you need a property that you can turn into different rooms. You need enough mm. bathrooms. Um, very important, make sure that you check the municipal bar laws. The, yeah. doesn't matter which city or which uh, province you're in, your, your municipality will have a website. Go read through those bar laws because oh, it'll wow. tell you there. Usually they've got a specific student accommodation policy and there wow. they'll tell you what size the rooms need to be, how many bathrooms, exactly. how many toilets per student. So please do that before you go out and buy. Because if yeah. you go and buy a property and you just stick 10 students in there and there's only one toilet, okay, you can sit with, with some big problems. <laughs> you can sit with some big problems, you know. You so, um, oh, wow. Yeah. Def- yeah. There is a ministerial uh, little booklet, isn't it, that states how many square per square meters each student can, can occupy. Yes. But, Jade, while you were counting the things that you need to be very careful about in student accommodation, what's your experience about maintenance of the place for student accommodation? I believe people are, have to make provision for a higher percentage for maintenance. Is that your experience? And what's your yes. thoughts about that? Yeah? 100%. The maintenance mm-hmm. comes into it other multi-lets or even more so students, right? Because, I mean, yeah. you've got 19-year-olds, they're really excited to have moved out of the house and they want to have parties <laughs> and they go, you know. So um, maintenance is an extremely important issue and you need to make sure when you're running your numbers that you put a provision every single month away for that because yeah. it's going to happen. Like there's two things that are certain in, in life. It's, it's taxes and obviously death and maintenance yeah. of properties. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my advice would be, Make sure that you do regular checks, okay? You want to go in at least once a quarter and check everything. But also you want to have very, very strong leases in place specifically for multi-lead or student accommodation that makes them responsible for any maintenance issue. So you want to do an in-going inspection with every single student, right? So you take photos of that room and you get them to sign a document that says this room is given to you in good condition. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about normal wear and tear, right? I'm talking mm. about if they break something. But now mm. you've got the photos and you've got the signed document. Now, if you go in there and they move out or after the first quarter, now the cupboard's broken and the bed's broken. You can show them the signature and you can show them the photos and you can then take that off their deposits because they signed Absolutely. the lease. Absolutely. So okay. it's, it's so important. It's, it's really a business that you're running. People think, geez, you make so much money in student accommodation. I've seen yeah. people lose a lot of money because they don't do maintenance. They just leave the students. Me they too. just say, well, do what you want. So it's, it's very yeah. important. Yeah. yeah that and has always been my concern with student accommodation because I was yeah. that crazy student. I live in terror. <laughs> And and, and they have got a particular way of handling things. I I was at a place where, you know, Majosfin on episode 25, when we were doing the podcast, I was in her building actually last December Mm -hmm. and she had cleaners, 
all over the place and maintenance men who come and just tighten the screw here, put back a locker, locker door. I mean, when someone comes and takes off a whole door of a lock or a what? wardrobe. Yeah, but that's what students do, right? They fall or they hide in the wardrobe or this. I, I have no idea what <laughs> I wasn't that student. So. <laughs> it was very interesting because she has a plan of when do they vacate, when I do maintenance, this is how I do it. Everybody moves in at the same time. The yeah. maintenance uh, precedes the cleaner and then the cleaner comes afterwards. And yeah, it's it's a whole science. Student accommodation yes. is a science, guys. So yes. you don't just go and get excited about it. I am full now. For yes, now I'm full. <laughs> Let's move on to the next segment of the show. On to the next segment of our show, magical feedback from our hosts, where our hosts share their three takeaways from today's episode. Hey, property magicians. Okay, my glasses are reflecting again. I'm going to take them off a little Okay. So we're doing our takeaways. Um, yeah. Mizo, you go first. <laughs> yes, I will go first. Okay. Because this is this is one thing that I love. And you know, Jay speaks like a property mentor. Did you notice how he told us about how he did deal sourcing or the assisted sale and did flipping as his initial strategies? right? Mm -hmm. Because they were a cash cow for him. They were yeah. a cash flow strategy. He probably started, he didn't say so directly, but he probably started with not having money. And I'm passionate about this because everyone I meet tells me that, oh, but I, I need to save, save, save. We are taking, we are giving this, this Script that we need to have yeah. a lot of money before we start in property investing. But it's not. You can start property investing with very little money down. He did an mm. assisted sale. That means he sourced the deal. He found this distressed home. He found a seller for the distressed home and he found funds to renovate that house and then found the seller. And that's the cheapest way of starting um, in deal, in, in, with a deal sourcing. And flipping means you can get your money back very quickly. If you had put 200,000 in that house to renovate and make it sellable and you sell, suddenly you sell it at market value and you get some money out. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those strategies that you can use when you have very little money to start a property portfolio. So yeah. that I thought was very, very, very important for our listeners. What's yeah. your number one, Ben? Oh, that is such an interesting um, yeah. <laughs> insight, Mizo. Thank you yeah. for that, actually. Sorry, yeah. it took me a while to like make yeah. the words and find mm -hmm. them. <laughs> okay, mm -hmm. so um, my first um, takeaway, I guess it has to be my first takeaway, right? Given yeah. what I do for a living. <laughs> but it's learn to manage your emotions. Right? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it was just like, yeah. So, um, right. I think that that is really, really the key. I um, We don't talk a lot about the importance of emotions. But listening yeah. to you and him talk. Oh. 
my big takeaway around property is that in this podcast, we very rarely, and I think we very rarely even ask the emotions question, right? Um, And we keep meaning to keep asking it. But there's a lot of um, things that you guys talked about that I got insight into, like with the numbers, hiding around, like making a deal. Like, I'm still, guys, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. Basically, a deal is a bad deal, but you're going, you know, it's a bad deal, but you're going to make it the right deal. Like, even just saying that to me is just, you know, but my point is there are people out there doing that and that there needs to be a lot of emotional management and I know this whole thing with property is that sometimes we find something and it's so beautiful and you get emotionally attached yeah. to the property. That yeah. is something that I really resonate with is that yeah. you see the property, it's so beautiful, then you're emotionally attached to it. Attached to it, and yeah. That has to be worked through. So you need to be able to manage those emotions. And I think one of the things that I have seen as a property investor where I've had to talk to myself and bring Mm -hmm. myself back to earth is this notion that this is the only deal on the planet. If it doesn't, (gasps) it's the one deal. Everything else will fall apart. That's been my, I've had to like watch myself and catch myself on that, you know, because like I see myself sometimes going into that space where it's like, this is the only deal. It is the last deal, you know, especially if it's a good deal. But then like something will happen. It's like, maybe not now. Just yeah. like take a pill pill. So yeah. <laughs> I like that you mentioned you mentioned the emotions. He actually did mention lots of emotions. Jade mm-hmm. said, you know the doubting and the butterflies mm-hmm. that you get when you sign the offer to purchase. Yeah. What made it better for him was having a mentor alongside yeah. him. And it gave him the confidence to actually go through with a yeah. deal. Even when your offer to purchase is um, mm. is uh, returned with a no, when yeah. you have got somebody to contain that emotion with, it feels yeah. a little bit much. It feels a little bit better. of mine who was in tears about an offer to purchase not being no. Actually, the property had been sold. It's just <laughs> that it stayed on on property twenty four for longer. But she was so upset, as you can see. We, we emotionally invest yeah. and with a mentor, you learn to navigate. Your yeah. emotions are very important, but you navigate them much better yes. without a mentor. I, I know that for with myself. With a mentor, you navigate them much better oh, with a mentor. With a mentor, with yes. a mentor yes. So he did, he did. I really like the fact, and that's the honest thing about, about property investing. Thank you for bringing that emotional bit in them. It's yeah. very important. So yeah. let's let let me go on to another again because I am a mentor. This becomes important for me. Notice how he was very clear. He started with flipping for cash flowing, yeah. and then he does a multi-let, and yeah. he does student accommodations. Did you hear that he is using three strategies? I'm sure interchangeably depending on where yeah. he is at with the money. You need to be clear when you are a property investor, please don't be into property. There's nothing like into property. (laughs) 
there is something about the strategy you're using and the reason for your strategy at that time. If you're still employed, you don't need the money mm. because you have a salary. Yes, rent to buy maybe works and it's a combination of things when you are doing rent to buy. But notice everyone that is in property investing picks a strategy and you stay or two or three and you stay. No form of mm. people. Mm. No form. Mm. Don't do mm. it because others are doing and don't be into property. Be into your own strategy. Yes. What you do. Okay. Yes. Yes. I, I really, really love that. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. wow. My other takeaway, guys, I don't know Number if you're two. like me or not, but what he said was just so powerful is that now it's COVID times. It's good times if you're a property investor. So we're all working on the premise of the low interest rate of yo. 7%. But what happens in another... In South Africa, I mean, like, yo, things can just change. Yeah. Like, literally yeah. in three years, these, uh, these um, interest rates can go all the way sky high, right? Yeah. So yeah. what he was saying, what... Um, Jade was saying is rather work on 10 to 10.5%, which I really, really love, right? But the other thing that I want to say is because interest rates are low, and if you're already working on that, then you can pay extra into the bond in the meantime, right? So you're paying off the bond or the mortgage at a faster pace than you would have otherwise. So I think this is so, so important um, yeah. so that actually you're preparing. If you pay earlier, what I'm getting from this as I'm listening to him is if you can pay as if you are working on that 10% um, interest rate because that's already what you've got in your deal analysis, you're paying off the mortgage at a faster pace. When the bad times, <laughs> when the boom Eat. period comes and the interest rates start to go up in another three years, your the interest rate increase doesn't hit you as hard and you've already paid off quite a chunk of your of principal. Such an so important really takeaway that, hey, yeah. such an important takeaway that because the frenzy of buying and suddenly you've got affordability of a one million rent house that you are paying mm. 7,000 on, that Christmas is going to end at some stage. So oh. don't find yourself in trouble. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. I'm doing my third strat, my, my third takeaway. Uh, begrudgingly because I have got so many other <laughs> lessons that we learned from Jade. Um, I like what he said about the different strategies. When he's going to do student accommodation, he's got a strategy, student accommodation, but what, does, mm. what are the factors that he looks at? Yes, proximity to the colleges or the universities mm. are a natural one, but you have to consider the extra cost in mm. student accommodation. Wi-Fi is critical. We are going online schooling now and online university. And then you've got other added additional layers on the student accommodation. The maintenance is higher. Mm. The cleanup and keeping up of the keep upkeeping of the of the whole accommodation is very important. The third one is what do the municipality bylaws in that area say? 
about mm. about where you are building your student accommodation and lastly you need to know what are the rules that are accepted by university or nsfas how many students are you allowed to put in the same place how many can share a bathroom and how many yeah. can share a common room right so yes. every strategy has got little uh, conditions under mm, it and, and you know you laugh at the, my my term of into property it's because <laughs> i've had people that i respect a lot people who who are able to buy and they yeah. are flush with cash they buy but they haven't thought about why they are buying where they are mm. buying they haven't thought about the conditions that may they may be affected by municipality may be affected yeah. by there's no fiber in that place therefore you can't put wi-fi for the students yeah. and they can't afford wi-fi in that way yeah. so so please very very powerful yeah absolutely yeah. yeah wow i i love that yeah. okay so my final takeaway is focusing on lower income areas right so he's talking like literally just those stats of 80% of um people in south africa are paying between 3000 and 7000 rand a month in rent and that's what they can afford so going where the demand is and we've heard from various podcasters uh, from various guests on the podcast that that market is actually in recession times is least affected because often we downgrade when there's a recession. We go from our fancy expensive apartments and then we downgrade back to that market and then we upgrade back when times are good. But even when times are good, that market is still good because it's a starter market for most people, right? So it's excellent. So just a reminder that actually a lot of times we do want to play in the luxury space, but Jade is making his profits in the low income space and the buying multi-lets at a less than a million rand. A million rand. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Right? That's so that is amazing. So that's my takeaway, guys, is like there are also beware of the market that you deal in and sometimes i would even say if you're going to be in the luxury space you may also want to um recession proof it with some diversifying your property portfolio with uh, some properties in, in low the lower income, income areas or yeah. in the city so that because those properties people are always in need of them but that's the thing and um, because our podcast is like that, actually, we need to get someone to educate us about that. There are um, government and organizations that actually yes. put these things out, right? SAPOA, wow. for instance, it's a South African, I don't know what it is, the organization for properties. Um, so it will give you an area survey. Who is renting in your area? what age group is renting in your area and why what amenities wow. are there where do those people work what is their general income so you know your market this that's what wow. is called knowing your market if we've got um lots of young um young entrants into the workplace who are earning between 10 and seventeen thousand, they would want to rent at about three thousand three thousand mm. five hundred oh okay now you know there's a market there yeah. 
So that's yeah. how you build your business. Know the market and then know your own market, which means your own pocket. Mm. No wow, this is so insightful. It is. Let it was. I agree with everything that's been said on here. I approve the message. <laughs> <laughs> such a lovely podcast today. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So guys, let's move on to the next segment. Now on to the journey to magical expansion, where we ask our guests the same five questions we ask every guest. So welcome to the next segment of the show, guys. This is Journey to Magical Expansion. And as usual, Misa is going to kick us off. Absolutely. JTL, we ask the same five personal questions to every one of our guests because it's an interesting section of the, of the podcast. Tell us what favorite book changed your life. It could be a sports book. It could be a business book, whatever book that changed your life. Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. It sounds like a cliche because everyone says it, but I was 27 years old when I read that book and it, it changed my mindset completely. Awesome. Awesome. That's easy. All right. Yes. Um, and what keeps you inspired? I'd say my network. You know, when I think it's very important to surround yourself with the right people and people that are actually doing better and doing the things that you want to achieve and that really motivates me to carry on and do more and do more so i think your network the people you surround yourself with is is absolutely essential you want to be hanging out with people that are actually achieving more than you because they're going to pull you up with them this is true i like that yes, they are achieving more than you and you, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't phase you because you know now that you can mm. also get there right yes yeah yep. awesome Awesome. Jade, what do you wish you had known before you embarked on your property investment journey? Is there anything I that wish you I, I wish I knew that you're not supposed to buy negative cash flowing properties because then I would have never <laughs> bought my first property. Um, but I, listen, I, I guess it comes down to education. Uh, if yeah. I, I wish I knew that I need to first yeah. invest in my education and then get the right knowledge before buying property. That's what I didn't know. So Absolutely. I would say to newbies, that's that's the most important thing before you get started. Oh. Mm. Amen. Very can true. We, can we go home now? For me, the podcast <laughs> is done. <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's absolutely yeah. awesome. I love it. So mm. what do you think you still need to learn, Jade, in property? There's always more to learn. Um, as I said <laughs> a little bit earlier, I think it's so important to have the mindset that you're never going to stop learning. Because once yeah. you get to that point, that's when something's going to go wrong, in my opinion. So there's mm. still loads for me to learn. There's some strategies that I haven't tried yet, uh, such as developments. Um, okay. It'll be on my radar at, on my radar at a later stage. Um, Absolutely. That's sort of my long-term goal. Uh, but mm. I haven't done a development before, so that would be something that I'd want to do in future. So I'd need to educate myself for a long time before I would actually take on that first development. Okay. Yeah, mm. admire that, you know, when you know where yeah. you're going. Yeah. So, Jade, my, our last question on the journey to magical expansion. What property resource do you continue to use uh, that you can share with our listeners? A book or a podcast or a YouTube video, something that you want them to go to 
all the time learn. Well, first, first the Your Guys podcast, of course, because I've seen some of the guests. <laughs> yes. I've seen some of the guests you've had, and Yay. there's some really amazing people. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I expect breakfast, guys. Thank you for for that. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, but, but listen, in, in all seriousness, I love you guys' podcast. I've seen some of the guests and they really, really yeah. are high achievers. So, so well done on that yeah. first and foremost. Yeah. But secondly, yeah. I would recommend Bigger Pockets. Um, yes. I'm sure you've heard of that. It's an, it's an American-based podcast, but it is so interesting. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the same strategies you can mm-hmm. actually use in South Africa. They yeah, cover so many things and it's mm. I love listening to that podcast. Yep. Um, and then... If you if you don't love reading, uh, you need to start forcing yourself to love reading because <laughs> it, uh, honestly, that's one of uh, one of your secret weapons. Let me put it that way: to keep yourself motivated and, and learn mm, more. Yeah. Um, one or two of the books would be Jason Lee, How to Make Money Through Property in South yeah. Africa. That he's got three books. Uh, they were absolutely essential. Mm. It gives you practical things you can do. Um, yes. Attend courses. You know, we've got mm-hmm. different courses or you know, there's a lot of courses out yeah. there. Make sure that you you vet the, the the business first. Make sure that they're doing good stuff. Get references. And then, yeah, uh, a couple of the books. I'm, at the moment, I'm reading Donald Trump's book, The Art of the Deal. Um, really? There's a lot of property-related things in there. Um, okay. And then also some, some Tony Robbins. He's got a lot of books. Um, I like to read his stuff as well. Is it? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Inter- wow. Interesting to be reading Ronald Donald Trump right at this moment. <laughs> I see. Listen, he, and that's, and that's he's, the he's thing not the about most popular person, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not. That's putting it very, very mildly. But um, how do people get hold of you, Jade? How do they contact you? We know that you also um, provide coaching. How do people get hold of you? Uh, so they can get hold of me through uh, the Property Academy um, website. Uh, they can uh, look me up there. They can look me up on Facebook um, under Jade uh, Barkazen. I'm also mm-hmm. on Instagram. So yeah, send me a friend request and, and uh, let's see how we can work together. Please, can you give us the URL, the website link for the Property Academy? It'll be www.thepropertyacademy.co.za. Okay. So it's got there in front. That's correct. Okay. And it's awesome, .za. There's no lack of education. And I like I like when education is localized as well. So you get to know, yeah, bigger pockets is real and it's great. Yeah. And and when we've got local um local content on the property academy, I think that's really important yeah so you guys always talk about our network right so at the moment sapin and i'm sure you guys mentioned it before in your podcasts so sapin's the biggest property investment network in south africa Um, so go check them out as well like that is where you meet investors from all over the country they've got networking events we had one last night with over 100 (laughs) investors on there um just talking about property guest speakers and you just sit there and you can listen and actually speak to investors that invest in, in property. So, yeah, mm-hmm. SA Property Investors Network is a great uh, resource as well. Awesome. Wow. You're not alone. You're never, ever, ever alone in property. Never. 
such a blessing. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for sharing so openly with our guests, with, yeah. with our listeners. I'm sure we'll see you in the property investment streets and good luck. Thank yeah, you so thanks. much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. It's been awesome. Um, and yeah, hopefully chat to you guys soon. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Jade. Thank you, Misa. Thank you, Property Magician. We will check you guys out in the next episode. Thank you for listening, Property Magicians. My name is Vangile Makwakwa, and I am your host on the show. I help people heal their ancestral money stories so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, become financially free, and live their best lives. So if you would love to increase your income, or you'd love to pay off your debts and increase your savings, contact me. You can contact me on the Wealthy Money website at wealthy-money.com. Again, wealthy-money.com. Or you can email me at vangile at wealthy-money.com. Again, vangile at wealthy-money.com. Find me on Facebook on the Wealthy Money group or on the Wealthy Money page or find me on Twitter and Instagram as vangile makwakwa. Now over to my co-host. Thank you for listening. I am Dr. Miranda Prop Doc, Doc Mum on all the social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm the host of Property Magicians Podcast and I'm a property mentor. I mentor newbie property investors to help them to begin and to take action. Your journey into property investment begins with me from property registration, from property company registration to picking the correct strategy that suits where you are at. Find me on my inbox at miranda at wealthy-money.com. Again, inbox me at miranda at wealthy-money.com if you want me to help you start your property journey.